Yeah. <laughs> going to dumb places. Dumb. Stupid, stupid head places. It's probably closest to a Scotch ale. Well, welcome everybody to beer, <laughs> bourbon, and balderdash. Balderdash. Yeah, I just decided to trick Johnny again. It's yeah, my new you. favorite thing. Chick, baby, chick, baby. Oh. How's it going, Johnny? It's all right. I'm sorry about that balderdash. It was pretty bad. The balderdash. Yeah, I was trying to. I don't know what I was going for. It was like almost a Halloween spooky thing, but that wasn't on purpose. What are you uh, talking about? I don't even know what you're talking about. Well, when I said Balderdash, after you said Balderdash, like I always say Balderdash. Oh, Balderdash. Yeah, it was like, oh, it was dumb. That's okay. <laughs> it's not done fucked up. I mean, it was dumb. It was whatever. dumb. Whatever. No, it's cool. Hey, you, you're cool. No, you're cool. No, no, you are. No, you are. You think you're smart? Okay. Moving on. All right. So this is episode 50. Welcome episode to episode 50. half century. Yeah. Well, uh, so... It feels like we've been doing it forever. It does. If you... It doesn't. If you look at... <laughs> Uh, our catalog on iTunes or Podverse or your favorite podcasting app, and please use a podcasting 2.0 app like Fountain FM and send us Satoshis. Um, if you look on those, it actually, if you count them, if you're actually paying attention, there's only 49 episodes. This will be number 49 on that. Oh. Lost episode. The lost episode. 31, mm. which was a pile of dog shit it that I decided to terrible. take off. <laughs> I was like, no, we're not playing that Nobody one. Nobody needs to hear that. I think we we're both like in grumpy moods and we we're like, I don't want to. Was that the one that we did like, we did like two really close to each other? No. And, no. <laughs> oh, uh, I don't know. One of them was real bad. Well, one of them I really... forgot that I hit the, I didn't hit the record. <laughs> that was the best one. Nobody and had to and we had a talk. great first half. <laughs> we did. Oh, it was yeah, so right. good. <laughs> And then the second half, we're like, that might have been it. That might have been it. We can't recreate that that uh, glory and bluster. No, no. Well, Wes, how are you? I'm doing all right. I'm uh, hanging in there. Yeah. Before we get uh, going here, I do want to say uh, thank you to uh, Sir Oma. Uh, Sir Oma sent us uh, from our last episode. Uh, 13,123 Satoshis. Worth eight cents. And he said, thank you, Sir Oma. Thank you, Sir Oma. And he said, sorry for your loss. May the memories of your mom bring you comfort and peace and God bless. So thank you, Sir Oma. I really appreciate that. And uh, he used the Fountain FM app. Uh, as you listen, you earn Satoshis, and then you can give those Satoshis away. Yeah, to us. To us, yeah. And um, so it was really nice of him to do that, so we thank him for that. That was nice. That was a nice note, too. Yeah, it was. Well, it's yeah, nice to know that sweet. listeners are, are listening. And, yeah. Um, we're people, too. Yeah, we're, yeah. We're, you know, we're not just stars <laughs> that are unapproachable. <laughs> we're actually down-to-earth people that, you know, you can approach, you can you can come up to us, and we'll we'll hug. We're huggers. Mm-hmm. We're big huggers. Yep. Uh, how about you? You doing all right? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Might have stayed up too late last night. Of course you did. Helen and I had a another one of our famous late night dance parties on accident. Yeah. Well, you have to get into it while before uh, you go back to the PBD. Yeah. Well, that's always fun. I mean, I don't. I'm sure it's come up before, but sometimes after we've had a few, like we went and saw Katie and Carrie down the street, and then we went and saw Sam and Carrie, and we had all the wines, and then when we got home, we just put on music and started dancing, and so we danced for I don't know how long. And I think we were tired when we got home. And you still danced. Yep. Both of us this morning are like, oh, oh hungover. <laughs> but oh, Hel- good. Helen wouldn't let me drink a Bloody Mary to get over it. So 
Why? I had to have eggs. You don't have to go anywhere. Instead. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> well, that's that's not fair to Helen. I actually offered and she said no for her. And okay. I'm a social drinker. Yeah. So. so it wouldn't have been fun anyways. No. And I didn't have Bloody Mary stuff. Well, what's the beer we got tonight? Yes. Yeah, so um, this one's actually uh, one that, that you brought, Wes, but it's actually one of my longest, longtime favorite beers. Yeah, mine ever. too. I love yeah, this beer. This is uh, Iron Horse Iron Horse Brewing Company's Quilter's Irish Death. I don't, this is actually, you might, did you know it was called Quilter's Irish Death? I didn't. Death? I always called it just Irish Death. Yeah, I've always called it Irish Death. So what's Quilter's? It's what it says right there, Quilter's. I know, but what does that I mean? Don't, I don't, I have no idea. <laughs> I tried to look it up on the website. Who the fuck is Quilters? So there's apparently a story about it. The according to their site, this was like a one-off, like experimental for fun beer of some sort. Oh, it says it right on the back, man. Oh, does it? Quilters Irish Death is the namesake beer of Jim Quilter, founder of Iron Horse Brewery. Well, there you go. Hey, dark in color and deep in taste, just like you. Yeah. Yeah, this has been one of my favorite beers for a really, really long time. And it's dangerous. It's 7.8%. Yeah, I forgot about that. A lot of, a lot of alcohol. Yeah. Um, but they're a great brewery yeah, uh, out in Ellensburg. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been there a couple of times and it's, uh, it's, a good, it's, it's a good place to go. Yeah, I think we had Timothy's Hazy IPA. I think we reviewed that. Um, yeah, that I mean, sounds right. We've had 50 episodes, man. Yeah, that's a lot of beer. Actually, and, and if you're, no one knows this. They might know it. We might have mentioned it. I maybe, don't know. Maybe you know. We actually have two lost episodes. We did one in Desert Air that was a shit show, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was a mess. So there's two hidden in the vault. All right. Well, maybe we'll release them someday <laughs> when we're dead. <laughs> yeah. When we're when we're hard up. Yep. Yep, yep. So I tried to look up, because one of the things we talked about talking about, talking about, mm-hmm. is, talking about. is how to taste things. Yeah. Uh, and so I tried to look up um, what style this would fall mm-hmm. under because there are as as everybody knows there's beer judging competitions and the beers fall into specific categories or style guidelines and you're you're judging how closely it matches the style that it's supposed to be okay uh, and you're scoring it even at points associated with that so that'd be fun to kind of look into it a little yeah, bit specific for this beer so um, there is there a baseline then you have to go by like Here's the baseline. Like, if you tasted this beer, it would taste like this. And so, here are things that get close to it. Like, there's a so, benchmark. So they do. Uh, I I think in the guidelines, it's been a while since I've been through these, but they mostly just give you a description of it. Um, when you're learning to to taste, um, they'll give you prime or good examples of of those styles of beer to you know to taste and see what you can pick out, and so you understand what a good like a best in class version of it is yeah so it's, it's fun to learn um but it's really more about how you learn and the the i would i did it because i was um uh, i'm a certified beer judge and uh i would do the homebrew competitions certified and they uh yes hands down <laughs> i don't know what that means down the pants uh yeah <laughs> um but it was really fun because you know like uh, the stigma about homebrewing is partly true there are some real awful versions out there but one of the really great things about the way the program is set up is the the goal is not to like tear people down or you know like somebody's going to win but ultimately the goal is to help people make better beer. You know like if you're judging a dozen beers, only one of them's going to be the best one and you want to you, when you're judging them, you're providing feedback not only in what you're tasting, but you also have to be an expert on 
how beer is made in a sense. So you can give advice on how to make it better. Okay. So like if it's not roasty enough, like what grain might help yeah, sure. or, you know, if too acidic or yeah, if it's yeah. buttery, it's yeah. probably fermented a little warm, <clears throat> things like that. Yep. So understanding how beer is made and then understanding how to taste the different components of it in the mouthfeel and the, the color and the clarity, how to describe that. That's what you do. That's what you learn about when you go through the program to, to get trained. That's awesome. I think it's really fun. Um, and uh, one of my least favorite moments ever was I, uh, they forgot that there was a Roush beer category until the very end and they need volunteers to, to judge it. And Roush beers are smoked. Yep. And home, smoked, home, yeah. home brewed Roush beers are <clears throat> real rough. <laughs> the malt is smoked a lot like a peat whiskey is, mm -hmm. right? So it's it's peated malt yeah. in a kiln, mm -hmm. and then they from there they continue the fermentation yep. process. Exactly. So I don't. I always thought that Irish Death was a Scotch ale mm -hmm. of some sort, yeah, uh, or Scottish ale. Um, <clears throat> this is cool because it gives a whole description and history behind it. Um, Something that I've always found interesting, and we've talked about this before as well. We're repeating ourselves. Welcome to the 50th episode. Um, if you, <laughs> Nothing's if changed. You, if you dig deep and or look at the styles and you start thinking critically about a certain style of beer, you can start to trace back where the style came from uh, based on uh, money and, um, and governments. Okay. So, like, there's a reason that Irish beers and Scotch beers don't have a lot of hops in them. And that's because the British heavily taxed hops in those regions. And so they wouldn't use them in their beer because it was really expensive. Okay. That's where you get other things like peat um, yeah. because they yeah, just we, had it. Yeah, we right? talked about that. Yep. Um, so a lot of beers kind of kind of um, follow that trend. The lagers in Germany follow a trend of saving the grain over the winter and being able to lager them in their caves and, and whatnots. Um But yes, okay. Uh, in general, Scotch beers are weaker, sweeter. Well, this is Scotch light. We don't want that one. This is not a light beer. No, this is super dark. Yeah, it's almost on the level of a, a heavy or an export. Uh, moderate strength, multi beer with light caramel, toast, toffee, and fruit flavors. Slight roast dryness offsets the residual sweetness in the finish with the bitterness perceived only to keep the beer from being cloying. So what that means is that there's just enough hot bitterness in it to balance it so it doesn't taste sweet, gotcha. overly sweet. Yeah, so it's balanced. Yeah, so it's a little more balanced, but it's still going to be malt forward. Let's put it in our mouth. Let's do it. I fucking clipped my nails, and now <laughs> I have no nails. Here, uh, I have a thing. Uh, there we go. I did it. All right. <laughs> oh. Excuse me. A little frothy. Oh, yeah. Go up, baby. Nope. Oh, there it goes. Oh. You overdid it. I overdid it. Super pretty, though. That happens. <laughs> this is a really gorgeous beer. Yeah. Even the froth is just like a chocolate color. It's so dark. Yeah. I don't know if that's. No, it doesn't. The light hardly. These LED lights hardly go through it, too. Yeah. That's how so dark like, it is. If you get it in the right off. spot, it's kind of a reddish color. Yeah. Reddish brown. It's got a... Yeah, so there's the kind of things you would write down in your tasting notes. Uh -huh. The other thing, I'll bring you a copy of the... Or send you a copy of the, the guideline or the way that you judge the judging sheet. Um, the other funny thing is it's almost a bit like... Oh, yeah. Let's cheers. <laughs> Drink. Cheers. Cheers. 
Mm-mm-mm. Oh my god. Oh, that malt. Mm. That is tasty. It does taste a lot more like a scotch ale, mm-hmm. but it's not as punchy. Yeah. A scotch ale is super smooth. Um, and it it doesn't have the I don't taste chocolatey characters. I do taste the malt. Mm-hmm. I do taste the chocolate a little bit, but it's it's like unsweetened chocolate. Okay. Not sweet. Not like a stout where you <clears throat> like like a milk stout where it's kind of almost like drinking chocolate milk. Yeah. Not that side of chocolate. Just straight up like cocoa nibs. Cocoa nibs. Mm-hmm. Nibbles. Yeah. Um the the judging competitions too, one of the things that they've implemented is that people don't get zeros and they teach the judges not to be overly harsh. Like you can't get a beer that's you can't get a score that's completely zero. Yeah. Because you're doing you're doing it's homebrew, right? So yeah. these aren't like professionals, yeah. right? These guys are trying and they're doing their best yeah. and you want them to be better. So you're mm-hmm. it's more teaching it is than it is finger wagging. Yeah, exactly. And there are some that I've tried that are really bad, but you can always <sighs> find something that they've done right. Yeah. You know, or sometimes it's just like maybe stylistically it's wrong. That to me is the hardest part is separating what I like from what the beer actually is because I don't typically like Roush beers and judging them you have to be very objective you have to follow the guidelines otherwise you know you're just like oh this is a shitty beer I don't like it yeah like think about judging Bud Light if you don't like uh Bud Light Coors Light the yellow beers you're just gonna hate them all and you're gonna give them bad scores yeah but if you just followed the guidelines and judge them based on the guidelines they're all very good examples of that style of beer American Light Lagers yeah you just don't like them you just don't like them yeah but it's not about you, Wes. I know. You know, I really thought I would get more uh, flavor out of this. Like, I, I thought it'd be a stronger flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's just my brain because there's a skull and crossbones on the front. And I thought, oh, yeah, this is going to, like, <laughs> slam me. And, and even the high um, uh, ABV on this, too. So I thought I thought it would be a little punchier. Um, I'm actually very happy that it's not punchier mm-hmm. that it's actually really really smooth and very very well ba- balanced yeah it's really delicious it's it, dangerous it is pretty cold right now so it'll probably warm up like scotch ales are typically not served this cold oh really so you'll probably get a lot more of that flavor that I you're looking so, for yeah. as it warms up a bit yeah awesome yeah this is uh it's tasty definitely one of my favorites well before we get in the whiskey we have whiskey news brought to us by tim our listener hey tim hey tim and uh, I don't know if you heard this, but he sent it to me today, or he sent it to us on our Instagram, but you're not on the Instagram. Mm. Well, you're not on I Managed <laughs> the <laughs> podcast Instagram. So he sent it to us, um, and uh, this happened this week. Uh, whiskey fungus fed by the Jack Daniels mm. distillery encrusts a Tennessee town. Did he send it to you, too? No, I found the same article. That's so I, funny. I sent it to myself. So when I was there last year, people are pissed at the, but it's everywhere and it's been there for hundreds of years. I mean, yeah, I know. And the distilleries long. make it worse. That's yes. the problem. It feeds off the ethanol. And but the and people that are, are like, complaining are people like who have there? recently moved there. I didn't read the article. So yeah. I just saw the headline. So they're all, they're all mad because it's coating homes and cars and patios and everything. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not dangerous to humans. Mm-mm. Um, it's annoying. It is annoying. One guy actually said that it can be dangerous to property, but just, and the distiller's like, wash it off. Mm-hmm. Like, it just washes off. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't, you know, it's, it's not, not harming anything. anything. Yeah, it's, it's not just sitting there. Yeah, and you just don't like it because it's, you know, I mean, it's sooty mm-hmm. almost. And so, anyways, it's a bacteria that feeds off 
um, or a fungus that feeds off the ethanol that the distillery and the barrel houses puff out. Um, it's actually called uh, Bodoinia comnia sensis is the, is the <laughs> fungus name. Um, and the uh, Bodinia is uh, named after um, uh, a French uh, distiller uh, who first kind of saw this um, and his distillery. And uh, hold on one second here. I have that information right here. Uh, the fungus that thrives off the lost alcohol has been noted at least since the 1870s when Antonin Bodain, the director of French Distillers Association, observed a plague of soot that blackened the walls of distilleries in Cognac, France. Um, so uh, people are now uh, suing Jack Daniels for property damage or threatening mm-hmm. to sue. Um, there are people that they want to put up new barrel houses, Jack mm-hmm. Daniels does around there. And now the city's all of a sudden, or the county's all of a sudden like, no, no, no. Nope, not today. And even the ones, so some people bought a house and then Jack Daniels bought or built a barrel house near them after they had bought their house. And now everything's black around their house. Mm. I, I I can empathize with them, but at the same time, this distillery has been there forever. It brings in tons mm-hmm. of tax dollar revenue. Yeah. I don't feel bad for the buildings that have been there forever. Yeah. Or, no, I don't feel bad for somebody who goes and builds next to one of these. I would feel bad if they if somebody lived there and then a, something was built next to it. Yeah, well, if they were said, hey, you're far enough houses. away from the distillery, you won't have this problem. And then all yeah. of a sudden, this barrel house Punk. appears. Yeah. Yeah. And they're asking them to put up air filters in the barrel houses. Um, I don't know that how much that would change the temperature um, in the barrel houses if it has to blow out through a filter. Um, oh, well, I mean, you could increase your airflow. Yeah. But yeah, again, there's, there's they, ways the, to the, do the it. whole idea of having the barrel house is the natural airflow of the heat and, mm-hmm. uh, and the cool. Um, and that's why they move the barrels around and stuff like that mm-hmm. in there. So anyways, I thought that was interesting. I, it I, is interesting. We'll have to follow it and see what happens. Um, you know, I think these are, I think these are new NIMBYs. I think these are. Oh, <clears throat> stole it. I was just going to say. Oh, in, really? In not so NIMBY news. Yeah. <laughs> It's not my backyard. Yep, not we my backyard. Of, we got a lot of those here in Seattle. We do. We want change, but not in my backyard. Yeah. Uh, unless not so nimby news. Yeah. Uh, did you see the results of the world uh, whiskey competition? No. Uh, best. Let's see. The world's best bourbon. Yeah. Was won by the representative, a four-year-old, hundred fifteen proof expression sourced from MGP. In Indiana. MGP. Bottled by Proof and Wood. Huh. World's best bourbon. Uh, this is fun, too. Are you familiar with J.L. Weller? Yes. From Wellers. Buffalo Trace? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, they won the best Kentucky bourbon. Oh. And apparently, the eight-year-old vanilla bomb currently cannot be found for less than $800 on the yeah, secondary market. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. That was, uh, what, the World Whiskey Awards? Uh... Well, this is Forbes, so. Oh, Forbes. Uh, Yeah, world's best bourbon, according to the 2023 Whiskey Awards. World Whiskey Awards, right? World Whiskey Awards. Okay. The article is funny. It starts out, the World Whiskey Awards, Whiskies Award. Whiskies. Oh, yeah, Whiskies Award. Unfortunately, clunky title. Yeah. But it's the way they got around the different spellings of whiskey. But anyway, thought that was fun. Yeah. 
no, I want that bottle, but uh, I'm not sure. Mm, you know, here's a, the thing I have with a lot of these whiskeys is yes, they might be good, but um, I, I find a lot of the high end ones oftentimes overhyped. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, how do I say this? Because they have this cult following, um, I don't think that they're worth what they are because there are no. cheaper things that I find a lot better yeah, and maybe even agree. more interesting. And that if I'm going to throw down a couple hundred dollars on a bottle, on a single bottle, uh, I want to know that it's something that is going to be um, not only enjoyable, but really kind of like full of different fun characters to pick out mm-hmm. and something unique, something I haven't had before that kind of wows me. Yeah. That's what I'm kind of looking for. Yep. So hundred percent. Yeah. So I just, I don't know. It, I always get a little like, yeah, maybe. Yeah. I also don't like the, uh, I don't know how this was rated. I, I assume it was a blind taste test, mm-hmm. um, as it should be, but the ones where it's like their claim to fame is like the best selling, somewhere when it's like well just because everybody buys it doesn't mean that it's the best one yeah because it could be uh buffalo trace Mm -hmm. and that's because joe rogan constantly on his podcast is like this is the best bourbon ever you know it's the oldest distillery and you know and he'll Mm -hmm. go on about it and then uh rogan bros they'll be like oh i gotta get buffalo trace Mm -hmm. and uh and buffalo trace is actually a very good introduction bourbon it's Mm -hmm. it's it's a bourbon yep it's nice Mm -hmm. it's not you know, wowie or anything like that. It's just like you you know what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. And if someone said, oh, I've never tried a bourbon before, like German, German neighbor Max said, I've never really had a bourbon because he's only drink scotch or single malts. And I gave him, he's like, wow, I, I really like this. I was like, that's a bourbon. Mm-hmm. Nothing fancy, just a bourbon. Yep. And I and I like that. And I liked it when it was $20 a bottle. Yeah, not then, $26 a bottle. It's, now it's getting up there. Yeah, that's true. Well, let's <sighs> talk about tonight's whiskey. Because it's March. Because <laughs> it's March, we're going to go to the Jameson Black Barrel. Yeah, there's a bit of a theme here. Irish death from an American distiller. Yep. That's a Scotch ale. <laughs> <laughs> and Jameson, which is an Irish distiller uh, in Middleton um, County in Ireland. Um, so the Jameson Black Barrel is a... Uh, double charred barrel. Mm-hmm. So they took a barrel, they charred it again. Because uh, in Ireland, you can do whatever the fuck you want. Mm-hmm. And then they poured in uh, mostly pot still or single malt whiskey with a blended mash. Um, and then uh, they kept that in a barrel for 16 years. That's a lot of years. That's a lot of years. The color is darker than most Jamesons. Mm-hmm. But don't be fooled because most Jamesons are actually colored with a caramel, caramel spirit yeah yeah so and irish whiskeys can do that so can scotch whiskeys and canadian whiskeys they can get away with that mm-hmm. in america not so much um and you can't very really serious. call it a whiskey unless you do or a bourbon of course because the bourbon is very strictly mm-hmm. um monitored in the united states so uh this is triple distilled uh irish whiskey and we're going to have a little bit. Now, I asked some other people in the Whiskey Tribe, and you can find them on YouTube. Uh, that's Whiskey Tribe. And I asked them what would be their top four uh, Irish whiskeys that can be accessible. Mm-hmm. I want accessibility. Yeah. Um, and this came out, most people said this one, and then Powers. And then um, I think it was Teeling, uh, maybe Green Spot. Uh, so there's a lot of good Irish whiskeys. I like Irish whiskeys because 
I have a sweet tooth, and Irish whiskeys give me that. They give me a sweet tooth. Um, and since we're doing a bit of a sensory kind of podcast, let's do a little master, little small master class on smelling your whiskey. Um, so you can smell beer the way you can smell whiskey. The difference is, though, is that whiskey is more volatile as a gas, mm-hmm. right? So, and that's kind of what you want when you're tasting. So what you're going to do um, is when you're tasting a whiskey is always look at the color. Typically, if it's not an <laughs> Irish whiskey or one that adds coloring, uh, the darker the color is, the longer they've been in a barrel. Um, you, of course, you don't want to drink black whiskey. That would be bad. That might even mean that there was too much iron in the water during distilling anyways, and iron will turn your whiskey black, hmm. which is why most of the time you want limestone water because it's calcium-rich. Uh, so um, you can swirl it around a little bit, look at the color, and then what you're going to do is you're going to um, sniff it. Now, before you sniff it, if you want to set your nose neutral, uh, a lot of people will smell the um, elbow pit of their arm. Now, my kids call the little flappy skin on the elbow the weenus. <laughs> and every every now and then we would like I'd I'd grab Nathan by the elbow and go got your weenus and it's funny <laughs> always gets a chuckle there you go of course it does uh, so the inside of the armpit or not the armpit but the elbow pit mm-hmm. um, I call the vagina so you smell your vagina and <laughs> and and that is your own smell it's the smell mm-hmm. you always smell because it's the clothing smell and everything and it kind of mm-hmm. sets your nose on neutral now you're gonna take the glass and with your mouth open. <sighs> <laughs> Not like that. You could see it. It was very wide open, just slightly open. You just take a smell. And you don't have to stick your nose way in there. And some of these are going to be so high proof that you'll burn. <laughs> the vapors will burn. And I've had that before. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one is really nice. And, you know, you can even close your eyes. And what's going to happen is the first thing that happens in your brain um, is that you're going to think of memories because your brain's going to try to sort out what it is that you're smelling. And this happens because as the vapors go into your nasal cavity and your nasal cavity makes up about 80 to 95% of your taste, mm-hmm. um, as it goes in there, it's going to mix with the mucus and it hits a like a bunch of nerves and a bulb in your nasal cavity called the olfactory. And so once the mucus mixes with that, it'll hit that and then it goes right to your limbic system in your short-term memory. And now through the short-term memory into the cortex... It's going to try to figure out what it is that you're smelling and if it's an important smell. Now, I was told, and this this kind of sometimes comes out true as I've been thinking about a lot of this, um, you only might be able to, at most, only get like three smells, three things that will pop in your head, maybe nothing more. Mm-hmm. And so the only way you get better at this is by smelling more things. Mm-hmm. And tasting more things. That's that's the only way, the only difference between someone who is really bad at this, you know, you get a lot of people who are like, I don't I can't smell that. Mm-hmm. And someone who can smell, pick out little things, citrus or whatever, is that they've done it more than they have than mm-hmm. the other person has. So it's all about building your memory and all about building your your senses. And matter of fact, they even sell kits. Um, I actually looked at some of them, they're quite expensive, and they're little glass vials with um, they're, and they're specific to scotches or whiskeys or bourbons mm-hmm. that have all the things that you might smell in a bourbon. And you can and you can train yourself to pick it out and then go smell 
uh, a whiskey or a bourbon and go, oh, I, I, I can smell that, mm-hmm. um, which is very cool. And then oftentimes when you're uh, smelling uh, whiskey or even a beer, we've had barley wines here where I just all of a sudden I was in my grandma's kitchen and she's making raisin bread, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the same thing. Uh, it's it's a memory, and maybe you might like this whiskey more because there's something associated with it. Like, uh, I, I guess I like whiskey, and we talked about this before, because uh, of oak. Mm-hmm. And my dad made doors and windows and all kind of stuff when he owned his business out of oak. And so the sawdust was on us all the time. Mm-hmm. And I'd work there during the summers when it was hot, and all I smelled was just oak. And so now when I smell whiskey, all I think of is my dad – uh, flannel shirts and <laughs> sawdust, mm-hmm. and I and it all that is comforting. Mm-hmm. It's very very in campfire because he always brought scrap oak or compressed oak sawdust to camping, and so you're burning oak all the time. So it's just it's a smell that's so ingrained, um, and that's all part of the whiskey tasting, which is pretty fantastic. So uh, let's close our eyes and let's open our mouths and give a little sniff. Oh, and so instantly I get, I get vanilla, I get sweet. Um, I actually don't actually smell, uh, oak, uh, necessarily. I just get a lot of like, um, sweet notes, a lot of sweet notes. What do you think? It's, uh, it's, it's very floral. I get a lot of floral notes, like almost like, uh, like roses. Oh, that's really interesting. Like that. Not the, not the sweet. Uh, floral smell. Oh, like a more savory one, like roses are. Roses yeah. are more like a. I don't. Savory is not. No, oh. but but you know what I mean. Like yeah. it's it's not like smelling fruit. Yeah, you know, it's not like an orange yes. blossom. Yeah, right. It's almost more um, oh, yeah. that green side of of a plant. Yeah, yeah, and, and it still smells like classic Jameson. Mm-hmm. Like that's it's, but it's under now instead of it being the forward. I guess you'd call it the. Um, a lot of people call it like the. Uh, the cookie, like that that uh, butter cookie that Jameson's mm. kind of known yeah. for. It it's now really low, <clears throat> mm-hmm. but it's still there. Hmm. Yeah. So now, when you if you take a sip, uh, what's going to happen then is that uh, you'll taste it on your taste buds, and you got thousands of taste buds on your um, on your tongue. Uh, but you're also inhaling that vapors as well. That's going to go right to the nasal. So you're going to get both the taste buds and like I said, the nasal part is a big part of why, um, why you taste things. On top of that, we are using specific glasses called Glen Cairns and they have narrow necks and kind of big fat bottoms. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is so that the smell is concentrated as we're tasting, uh, the whiskey. So we're not using like an old fashioned glass or something that's really, really wide mouthed. Mm-hmm. Um, this is much more narrow. So we're yeah. going to get hit with a lot more so we can tell what we're tasting. Tasting beers the same way, like the ideal glass, if you're trying to get as much out of it as possible, are the tulip-shaped glasses. Oh, yeah. They're narrow at the top and they're big at the bottom. That concentrates the aromas into a smaller space instead of letting just float off. Yeah, and their gases, the gases are different, mm-hmm. you know, with beer. and I mean, because their processes are the same up into a point, mm-hmm. um, but the, the vapor is different. Like, yeah. I think, like, I would say... Like whiskey has a vapory, where beer has a gassy. Well, yeah, the vapor you're getting off whiskey is is alcohol. Alcohol, yeah. And the with ethanol. beer, it's carbon dioxide. Yeah. So, um, but it's interesting. There's not all carbon dioxide is created equally. 
there's a big difference between CO2 that was created from bottle conditioning and CO2 from forced carbonation. Um, so a lot of the mouthfeel that you look for when you're tasting a beer comes from that carbonation and they feel different in your mouth. The bubbles tend to be a little smaller and a little smoother if it's forced carbonated versus, or, uh, if it's bottle conditioned, bottle conditioned. uh, forced carbonated is a lot like drinking a soda pop. Most beer is forced carbonated. And if you overdo it, you get this carbonation bite. Yep. Some people like it. Some people don't. That's one of the reasons that they'll often agitate it a lot to get a lot of that, those bubbles out of there. We were actually talking about this the other day. Why, do, why do they want to pour it so that as much of the CO2 comes out. Yeah, we did. Yeah. 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 So that you drink it faster. Yeah. It's marketing. Yeah. But you don't want to get gassy. No. Because then you won't drink anymore. That's right. (laughs) Get the bubbles out of there. And does Machine machine House, they don't put any carbonation in most of the beers at all, right? No, none at all. They're all cast conditioned, which means the beer gets fermented, it gets put right in a keg, and then it comes through a beer engine. I like that. I do too. It's It's a much smoother beer. Yeah. Uh, and there's pluses and minuses. The beer tends to not be as shelf stable when it's produced that way. You have to drink it within a date. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, uh, it's harder to, I think, create consistency in certain ways when you make beers that way. Uh, especially when you're not, that that's part of the process that you're not heavily controlling. So there is CO2 in it, but you're not like really measuring it anymore. Whereas like if you're forced carbonating, you're measuring the pressure, pressure that you're putting in there to make sure that it's carbonated to a very specific level. So oh. like in the tasting, in the BJCP notes, part of what you're looking for is carbonation, over-carbonated, under-carbonated, or just right. And you're scoring points based on those things. So understanding oh. how carbonation, carbonation works yeah. is important. I like that. Yep. Oh, well, let's... Uh, oh, I just got the floral. That's been... Sick. I get a little spearmint too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's funny is the first... like. You're absolutely right. Like you connect it to a memory. And the first memory that I got when I put my nose in it was, um, was using an oil based finish on a table. Oh, like, it's, oh, smells, I love that. it smells like lacquer. Yeah. You know, it's that alcohol yeah. that is up front and smells just like, oh, that. that's fantastic. Well, cheers. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah. I like that. Hmm. Oh, so I don't know if it's supposed to be the same. You, you could, you could clarify this, I guess. Um, when you're tasting beer, there is a process to it, just like with whiskey when you're doing your tasting. And part of it is the first sip, you're focusing on the tip of your tongue yep. and you hold it in your mouth and you let it coat your mouth. And that is not the sip that you're making judgments on. It's the second sip. Yes, that is absolutely true. So, um, so when you sip it, you're kind of spraying it across your tongue. Mm-hmm. You can even hold it if you want to. Some are too high proof that you don't want to do that. You just want to sip it. And what you're doing is you're conditioning your mouth now. Mm-hmm. So now that you got the you got the zing zang of the first taste, and this is a <clears throat> I believe this is a higher proof Jameson. Typically it's forty percent. I think this one no, it's still forty percent. Mm-hmm. I think just a double chart. It has more bite than regular Jameson does. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and then, um, but you're you're trying to figure out right then and there too. After the initial punch, you know, you're you're already thinking sweet or savory. I mean, those kind of thoughts are going. Well, you're trying to guess like what is it? So your brain is still kind of working, and 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 also, and you and I've done this before. We're trying to match what we smell, mm-hmm. and we've smelled things where we've tasted it and been like, oh, that doesn't that didn't match. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that's weird. Yeah. 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 I think it's really important for people to, like, I don't understand 
So I understand tasting mm. notes. I understand like wine wanting to be able to like, they, they want to explain their wine to you, but I really appreciate it when wineries don't share that information up front. Yeah. When they let you taste it, you know, I think that's the proper way because nobody should be telling you what to taste. You should taste yeah. what you taste and it might not be what somebody else tastes. You might enjoy it totally different or it might throw you off where it's like, oh, well, I don't really like currants. So I'm yeah. not going to like this wine because yeah. it tastes like currants. Yeah. You turned off by the description yeah. right away. Yeah. And it's a psychological thing. It's <clears throat> not the actual, yeah. it's not the actual wine or drink that you're tasting that you don't like. It's the idea of it. And we're very su suggestible. <clears throat> mm -hmm. yeah. Right. So when someone suggests what something's going to taste like, like the winery out in um, Chelan, one, one wines. Yeah, yeah. One wines. And that uh, she's Irish woman, a redheaded mm -hmm. Irish woman back there. Uh, she Joe. won't give you tasting Shout notes. Shout out to Joe. She's yeah. the best. Her she husband's best. opening a brewery, by the way. Oh, is he out there? Mm -hmm. Oh, fantastic. But she won't give you any tasting notes or whatever. You either like it or you don't. Nope. And if you complain about it, you get the fuck out. Yeah. That's what she said. Get going. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want you in here. Leave. Yeah. And she'll explain it after you taste it. Yep. But she wants to know what you think, what yes. you taste. She wants you to be critical of it. And she wants you to enjoy it. And she also doesn't mind if you're like, well, I don't like this at all. Yeah. Because not everything is for everybody. That's exactly right. And that's, that's exactly right. That's just fine. Yep. Um, if you add water to whiskey, uh, it can open it up. So meaning it kind of uh, mixes. What is the fancy water that you're supposed to do it with? Mineral? It's like mineral something? Spring water is what's suggested. Spring water? Yeah, and that's what we got here, spring water, if you wanted to dab a little. Some people use little pipettes or eyedroppers mm -hmm. or whatever. And it'll just mix with the oil. Now, it doesn't actually change the taste necessarily. It does change the smell. Um, if you added bitters to it, it would change the taste yeah. and not change the smell, believe it or not. So um, so if you if you put water in here, it changes the smell, it kind of opens it up, the the oils. That's why like I like it with an ice cube usually is how I drink my whiskey. Not only does it proof it down a bit so I can have a little bit more, mm -hmm. um, but I just kind of like the – I like – I'll always try it first without and then I'll have it with mm -hmm. an ice cube and that's kind of my preferred way. I prefer shaken <laughs> and not – stirred yeah no that's actually I, that's not what i was going with it uh i actually do like my i'm lazy so i don't do this very often but my favorite is to take a cocktail shaker yeah and shake it with ice and then pour it out off the ice so it's not so it chills it oh yeah gets a little water in it but it doesn't saturate saturate it yeah doesn't, doesn't dilute it dilute as, it yeah that's the word yeah as it's uh i mean but there is something about that last little bit of the ice water that's left in the cup yeah right before you dump it in the sink now, if you taste any kind of bitterness, that'll come from the back of your mouth. Um, that's done on purpose as human beings because uh, it's meant for us to spit it out if we chase something bitter because it means it's not good for us, which is why it's at the very end that you'll taste bitterness. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and then uh, there's a finish. So you're smelling, you taste, and again, like you said, take a, take a second taste uh, after the initial kind of uh, alcohol is all over your mouth. Mm -hmm. Um, and then think about the finish. Does it linger? Um, does it go away right away? Uh, is it a sweet kind of taste that lingers? Is it, you know, uh, savory? Like what's, what's hanging out? Like some peated, if you ever peated whiskeys, like they're there forever. It's like mm -hmm. you smoked a cigar basically. And so now <laughs> your mouth feels like, bah. and I actually like peated whiskeys. Um, the more I taste them, the more I actually begin to enjoy them. So, yeah. I like some of them. Some of them are just overpeated and I can't, mm. I can't do like there. I'll have one glass of like a, um, what is it? Uh, what's the one that starts with an L? Lafroy. Lafroy. 
super peaty. I can have one glass and I'm done. I can't, I won't even drink anything else after it. Oh, really? Yeah. You can't mm. do more than one. Mm. Not I, my favorite. Here's a fun thing. About I like Lafroy. I like Ardbeg. Those are not bad. Yeah. I don't mind them. I'll get, I'll have them. I just can't drink more than one. <laughs> um, we learned in our uh, one tip in tasting that we learned from our wine tasting class that I did was, uh, and you should try this. You take your sip and then right after you swallow, breathe out through your nose. And you'll taste a lot more of those flavors. Like if you're really struggling. Oh, well, that makes sense. If you're really struggling to <clears throat> to identify things or yeah. even get anything off it, do that. Breathe out through your nose and you'll get this sudden like burst of flavor in your mouth and aromas. Mm-hmm. And like you'll just get a much different taste that you weren't getting before. Yeah. No, I get that. Oh, that's good. It's hard to do because <laughs> it's not natural. Yeah. Um, but it does help. Uh, a couple other things that I wanted to mention. Uh, so that's just tasting whiskey. Uh, again, drink whiskey the way you want to drink it. Mm-hmm. If you like it on the rocks, if you like it with uh, Coke, don't use expensive whiskey. Um, if you like it with Coca-Cola, not cocaine, but Coca-Cola. Cocaine. <laughs> cocaine. If you like it with Coca-Cola, <laughs> uh, that's fine. Booger use, sugar. Yeah, booger sugar. Use use something like Jack Daniels because it's actually paired with Jack Daniels. They have the same flavor profiles, mm-hmm. which is why Jack and Cokes work well. Um, I watched uh, Whiskey Tribe where they did uh, – uh, they blind tasted whiskeys and bourbons with Coca-Cola, 20 of them. And the ones they enjoyed the most were the peated ones with Coca-Cola. Mm. And that's something I would like to actually try. Yeah. I think that'd be kind of interesting to try. Episode. Yeah. I don't have Coca-Cola here. Otherwise, I'd do it right freaking now. Right now. <laughs> uh, nope. Sorry. Yeah. You don't in your car either? No, yeah. I don't. I meant to grab one from my dad's house because all that leftover pop from the funeral. Oh, yeah. I meant to grab like a Coca-Cola one or whatever it is. Um, and you can also find online, and we're going to put in our show notes. So if you go to beerbourbonbalderdash.com, uh, in the show notes, we'll have uh, the competition um, profile that John was talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll have tasting wheels. So sometimes uh, distilleries and websites will have tasting wheels. And basically, these tasting wheels will help you. So if you taste something sweet, you can look in under sweet category, and it's like sweet like what, right? So it could be like chocolate or vanilla or whatever. And basically what you're trying to do is you're trying to narrow down exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes if you if your memory isn't helping you, if your brain's not helping you with like, I've had this before, um, you can kind of get close. And same thing with like if it's woody or herbally. We've had some herbally whiskeys where you taste something like, wow, that's like all kinds of fun, herbally, like spicy kind of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where you can find that. There's also color charts and the color charts will help you kind of understand the aging process and the char level of each barrel. Uh, we're going to put that in the show notes as well. Um, and then there was also, I think there was one more that I had, uh, poop, poop. No, I didn't have poop, but, uh, Don't put that in there. <laughs> so Someone put poop in my whiskey. <laughs> uh, oh, a spider uh, spider diagram. So the spider diagram, so if it's like more sweet than it is, savory, that kind of thing, that's really nerding out. I think the best thing to use, if you're if you're serious about tasting whiskey or you want to get better at it, tasting anything. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, we did a lot of this when I worked at Starbucks when we would do coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, is grab a notebook and a tasting wheel if you think that'll help. And just start tasting some whiskeys, some beers, 
and then just write down your thoughts. You don't have to be super, unless you're kind of an organized mind, just like what you thought of it. Mm -hmm. I had this. I found it sweet. Um, It lingered in my mouth a long time. Um, And I I think I like this one. And Mm -hmm. then try a different one, maybe even the same category. I like this one better than the last one. And this is why, because I like the more mm-hmm. whatever, punchy, people, sweeter, whatever. Yeah. People need to also remember that it's not about being right. Yes, that's exactly right. Like it's about describing what you taste. That's it. And finding things you love. Yeah. We've talked many times on this podcast. about like some of the, some of the descriptions, you know, like it's a toad's toenail. Mm. Yeah, on a little, a, little over the top. Yeah, and you're like, after uh, hints oh. of morning dew. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like, yeah. What? Shut the fuck up. Uh, Irish Spring. <laughs> Remember Irish Spring soap commercials? Uh-huh. Yeah, yes, that's yeah, what it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I feel like I'm in the in the bog. <laughs> it's, it's so, so like poop. Oh, gross. Um, let's try one more. That's going to be different than this. Ooh, Duble. Yeah, I love it. I know. Hold well, on. yeah. Well, you're well, you're picking that out too. I I want to encourage people to go look at the uh, Beer Judge Certification Program site, BJCP.org, I think, um, because if you're really interested in learning how to taste things and describe it, it's a wealth of information. You don't have to go through the training or pay for anything. It's all publicly available. But they have the style guidelines. And one for me, one of the things that I think is really fun is that sometimes when you're tasting a beer, we, when I would do the judging, there would be beers that would score poorly, but not because they were bad. It was because they didn't meet the guidelines. Mm. So the, the caveat to the descriptions is know that this is not like meant to tell you what is best. Yeah. It's meant to describe what is best for that specific category. Right. And if it doesn't match the category and scores bad, that doesn't mean it's bad. A good example is uh, fat tire doesn't actually meet any of the categories very well. So it wouldn't score highly. What do you mean by that? Well, it's like, it's not really an amber, um, although it's like amber in color, but the yeah. flavor profile is a little different. So it like doesn't align perfectly with one of these pre-described categories. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't make it a bad beer. Like okay. if you were to blind put it in one of those categories, it probably wouldn't score well. But that doesn't mean it's not good. And I had a lot of those beers that would happen. It's I like, like fat tire. Maybe you just Belgian ale. A lot of times that the there were uh, moments where you're like, this is just in the wrong category. Mm-hmm. Like they thought they were brewing. Like if if they thought they were making a red ale and they really made an amber, but they put it in the red ale, the Irish red ale category, and it scored poorly. But it, you could put that same beer in the amber category and it would score well. That happens. So sometimes what they meant to make and what they actually made are not. The same thing. And so from a homebrewer standpoint, being able to taste your own beers and understand it, I've I've recategorized my own beers for competitions for this exact reason. Ooh. Because it matches a different yeah. category better. Yeah. So if you're trying to win, then that's and I personally have sent beers to the National Homebrew Competition. I got third place one year. Nice. I have a smarty pants. I have a uh I have a medal in my garage. Do you? I do. Should be out more. I, I like to whip it out. Got, it's no, hanging on the wall. No. Right, oh, my God. Right next to all my soccer medals and my racing bibs. and I'm an athlete. What a star. I'm so tall. <laughs> well, finish that up so we can put some other delicious stuff in here. This is a pusher. I'm a pusher. Drink it. Drink it, bitch. Mm, why would you do that? Why would I say drink it, bitch? Why would you call me bitch? Oh, because it's fun. You don't like it. It's fine. It's all right. I'm over it. Okay, good. Bitch. Yep, bitch. Fuck. 
All right, whore. Beep. What we're going to have now. Beep. <clears throat> we're going to have Dunville's Single Malt Irish Whiskey. That looks like olive oil. <laughs> yeah, it does have the color of olive oil. That's so funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, ten- a green it, bottle, though. It's a 10-year-old Single Malt Irish Whiskey. It's from Dunville and Company. Belfast. Uh, yep. And uh, it is... Uh, hold on here. It won uh, the 2015 World Whiskies Award, 2017, 2016. Uh, in 2022, we got the silver at the World Whiskies Award. How about that? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's pretty unique as far as an Irish whiskey goes. Um, I had a little bit today. Um, that's how the what a sucker I am at Total Wine and More when they gave me a taste. <laughs> uh, anyways, it says it's a very rare aged Irish single malt finished in X. Pedro Jimenez sherry casks. Were they doing a tasting or did you just ask if you could taste it? Well, so the guy came up to me and I was looking at some Irish whiskeys. I already bought some, so I decided to buy some more because I'm stupid. Of course. And uh, he said, uh, oh, this is is fantastic stuff. He goes, do you want a taste? And I was like, yes, I would like a taste. He's like, come on over. And and then he gave me the, they have their flagship, which is Dunville 1808. Mm Mm-hmm. And compared the two, and this one was had a lot of character. We'll say that, and so I really, really like this one. And so I like the sherry cask. I like. Uh, well, you'll see. Mm-hmm. You'll see. Did you get the sherry cask one? Yes, I did. Well, look at you, Pedro Jimenez. Somebody's trying sherry. to get me drunk. <laughs> That's right. I'll touch you later. Okay. What? What? Why? What do you? It's okay, I liked it. <laughs> I consent. <laughs> Well, that's good. It's on record. You did your recording, right? Yeah, I am recording. Not, not it's like on that record. one time. <laughs> yeah. In the future, we all have to hit buttons on our cell phones that say, I consented oh, to this. Yep. You put your thumb here. Oh, so much different. Just right off. I mean, almost, mm. it's single malt, but it's my mouth watered. Like, I just, my mouth is like, if I kept my mouth open, I would be slobbering. That's, a, that's quite the picture you're painting. Oh, I even get pear. Oh, I love single malts. Mm. I really do. Um, so in a single malt, is right? this higher proof than what is what's the proof on this one? Forty six. It's just a little bit higher. Yeah. Uh, so in single malts, um, this is uh basically a mostly malt mash, mm-hmm. um, out of this, and uh, malting is done by barley that is started the process of sprouting and right before uh, all the starches get eaten up um, or all the sugars get eaten up by the sprouts, uh, they stop mm-hmm. the process by a fire kiln and drying it all out. And then from that, they get all the sugars, all the great sugars and stuff like that. So that's what malting means. You know that already, but mm-hmm. maybe our listeners didn't. It's, so, good. it's good to know. Yeah. So uh, it's, well, it's a fascinating process, yeah. honestly. And, and so like... You'll hear a lot in beers, all the different malts that are in it, chocolate malt, or and you'll see these used a lot in different whiskeys as well. Um, it's just the way that it was malted and how long it was malted for. So sometimes it's higher temperature or longer. Mm-hmm. And depending on how you malt it, you can manipulate the flavors that you get out of it. Yep. But there is there is a point of no return as to how hot, because you can kill it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can roast them basically too long, and then you can keep them wet and they you lose all the sugars and stuff out yeah. of it too. So, well, so like the, the chocolate malts are the, the really like, there's one called black Patton. Those are like almost burnt. So you get those chocolatey dark flavors out of them. Uh, and you can't, you can't brew with just those malts. 
because you've essentially destroyed the starch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So they're just for flavor. Just for so, flavor. And they just use a little bit in each of the batches. Oh, There's, so they mix them in with, a, yeah, with actual the, malted yeah, barley. So usually a, um, a grain bill will be close to 90% of light colored malts. And then you add smaller proportions of the other malts to get the different flavors you want. Okay. Um, but you need specific. So one of the things that I find fascinating is that there are certain malts like Munich malt or Vienna malt that don't have enough. They don't have the enzymes necessary to convert the starch to sugar. So you have to blend them with other malts that do have those enzymes so that you can get the sugars that the yeast will eat to where you get the alcohol. Do they use uh do they do that with like a, almost like a sour mash? So like a sour mm. mash would be whatever's left in the fermenter from the last distillation. So in whiskey terms, oh, yeah. they no. use that and it's dead enzymes, but the new enzymes eat that shit up. Like mm-hmm. it's like free food for them and yeah. they love that. So in, in brewing it, the enzymes come with the grain. Um, okay. And, and so I don't, there probably is a process where you're using the same, using the old batch to start the new batch. Sure. Um, but generally speaking, you don't do that. It's in like like a two-row uh, pale malt. There's lots of enzymes in there that will convert all the sugars for you. Excellent. Let's go, man. I want to try this now. I want to put it in my mouth. Cheers. Woo! Far. Wow. Ooh. Oh, my God. It's really smooth and has a very different flavor than that Jameson. Whiny. I mean, it's <clears throat> fruitier. Almost like a, yeah, like a Chardonnay, like a really dry yes. Chardonnay. Yeah. That's wild. <clears throat> yeah. Sherry wow. casks. Mm. Isn't that good? Yeah. That is yummy. So I did I did ask uh, the Whiskey Tribe what they thought of this pick. And I don't know if I've seen anyone respond to my... On the Discord channel. I do like the label. It looks like it came straight out of the 80s. I know. Or 70s. Yeah, it's it's cute. It is. It looks like a like a scene from a Monty Python movie. Yeah, a little bit, right? Or All like the a, roses. Like an intermission and between sketches. Yeah, yeah. Like there's it's only missing like a little <laughs> naked guy running across. <laughs> I really liked their dicks in those shows. Yeah, they did. Well, who doesn't like dicks? I love dicks. <laughs> half the population has them the other half wants them <laughs> man maybe it's not the other half <laughs> mm. super smooth you get all the kind of single malt things with like a fruity it's a little tart at the end the finish is um, super flavorful like I just get a lot of like I don't know cherry. I, I mean I get I get a lot of fruit from this. Mm-hmm. There is like an underlying sort of musty flavor mm. that makes it taste kind of aged. Okay. Like yeah. This, it, like, yes. Yeah. Like that similar like that Chardonnay flavor. That, but I feel like it's that's just part of the single malt. But mm-hmm. you you think it's more of the Chardonnay? Yes. No. No. I get what you're saying now. Yes, because Chardonnay even has that fruity, but it's dry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's it. Kind of follows that that profile. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I like this. Well, that's why I wanted to I drink all of this. Right I now. know. Well, I have so I have like Powers and I have uh, Dead Rabbit, and I think I have Teelings. And I just wanted to do something like that was an Irish, but like 
way different mm-hmm. than you'd get from like a Jameson's yeah. or Telemore Dew or Kilton. Oh, I love it. Thank you. Yeah. Established 1808. Mm-hmm. This looks like a bottle that you can make a really nice Molotov cocktail out of. Oh my God. Like it's got a nice little, you know, bulb at the top and you like. Uh, we do not condone <laughs> that kind of violence. Uh, I'm, I mean, IRA. <laughs> I'm sure the bottles, IRA. Came, bottles came in really handy. Well, next week we're going to taste some more Irish whiskey and uh, probably some more Irish beer, I hope. Yeah. Right. Um, Killian's Irish Red, straight from the motherland. Oh, nice. California. <laughs> and uh you won't be live with me here though next no. week right nope so you'll be back in rhode island yes uh so that'll be um that'll be from there and uh so we'll we'll coordinate that yeah yeah yeah. and uh yeah so we'll um we'll talk more about uh irish whiskeys mm-hmm. we'll get a little history of irish whiskeys and some irish whiskey rebellions that mm-hmm. happened all because of uh this uh, distilled spirit and uh, it's it's actually it's great purpose in uh, the history of many countries mm-hmm. it's a pretty fantastic thing um, all things considered and even as I think if if modern day teetotalers understood the chemistry mm-hmm. and the complexity and the the, the historical um, relevance of spirits um, such as whiskey I think that mm-hmm. they would appreciate a lot more than it's something losers do to get drunk and be idiots, which yeah. has the potential. But everything has that potential, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, I think next week too we'll talk about. Um, there's a, a specific kind of brewing called party guile style of brewing where you brew multiple batches using essentially the same grain bill at okay. the same time. Uh, it's a way to sort of reuse the same grains, and you get a super heavy version of the beer, a medium version of the beer, and a light version of the beer. So they'll have a very similar profile. Um, but we'll we'll talk about that next week and get into more detail. It's a really pretty fascinating way of brewing, and you end up getting all of the sugars out. Awesome. It's fun. I've done it before. It's kind of hard. Yeah, well, peop- everyone, thank you so much for listening to Beer, Bourbon, and Balderdash. Yeah, Balderdash. And uh, sitting with us and listening to our nonsense. Was that an hour? That's an hour, baby. Whoa. I Holy know. shit. Time I for know. round two. I'm, I'm still. <laughs> let's talk about aliens. <laughs> uh, follow us. Bill at, Gates owns Heineken. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah, we could. Uh, follow us <laughs> on uh, all the podcasts, including Podcasting 2.0. We do take Satoshis and donations. And high fives. And high fives. And most of all, we want to interact with our listeners. So drop us a line. I'm on No Agenda Social as. Uh, God, I'm wholesome Olson at No Agenda wholesome Social. Olson. That's right. Uh, we have a Discord. You can uh, check us out. It's Beer, Bourbon, and Balderdash Podcast. You can leave comments on our website. We just want to talk to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, and we're on Instagram, Beer, yep. Bourbon, Balderdash on Instagram, so you can connect with us there. And if you got suggestions, we'd love to hear them. If you want to donate uh, whiskeys or uh, beers to us, we would love to uh, do that and taste them on the podcast as well. So thank you for listening. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so dumb.